Welcome back everybody to the Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Wednesday. So much to discuss, packed show today. So let's dive in. We heard yesterday that former Vice President Mike Pence also had classified documents in his possession at his residence in Indiana. And the reasonable response to that is something like, that should be investigated, wrongdoing should be held accountable. It's a pretty simple thing I would say to respond to, unless you're on Fox News, unless your job is to be as partisan as humanly possible, defend the people who your audience likes, go after the people your audience hates, and do so in such a dishonest way. So take a look at their response to this. As I was preparing for today's show, I was just kind of accumulating a compilation of their coverage of this story, and it's pretty wild. Take a look. Both of those guys, Pence and Biden. I think we should raid Gore's house. Yes. Obama's. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In Hawaii. Who knows what we mean? Oh, I'd go all the way back to Kenya, Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) um, That's a joke, America. That is certainly up for debate. But on the issue of Obama, it is curious why the DOJ hasn't requested access to his many offices across the country. Yes, I think Mike Pence was watching everything with the Biden uh, top secret documents, et cetera, et cetera. He initiated his own investigation to just to double check. He immediately called the FBI when they found a couple of documents, Mac Gates, and and handed them over and worked with the officials. Um, but that's not the issue to me. The issue is how was Hillary Clinton treated? I mean, Pence, uh, seriously. Yeah. We have this great thing going with Joe. Yeah, yeah. and you just yeah. ruined it. He and did. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, what are we going to do? And then he confessed to it. Yeah. I mean, he could have just destroyed it. We never would have known. And we have to be fair and balanced and show both sides. I know. Now we have to show both sides. <laughs> now, if Mike Pence didn't think he had classified documents, why would he send his lawyer to go look for classified documents? We can't say for certain, but it's entirely possible, in fact, it's likely, that Mike Pence was asked to do this by federal prosecutors who are trying to build a case against his old boss, Donald Trump. Now, the point would be to show that not every federal official walks off with state secrets. Donald Trump was uniquely evil in that regard, as in so many others. So there it is. You have a bunch of whataboutisms, a bunch of squirrel, look at Obama, and of course, Gutfeld making still the birtherism joke, just so um, vile there. But then Tucker Carlson kind of floating a conspiracy about Pence being involved with the DOJ to actually make Trump look bad, but it went wrong and there was actually classified documents. Hillary gets brought up for some reason. And then you have this attitude you saw there from Sean Hannity of, listen, Mike Pence, he came across them. He immediately turned them over. Let's not freak out about it, guys. Is that not the same story as Biden? But you were very upset when it came to Biden. It is so obviously partisan and severely so. And so when watching a compilation like that, I don't understand why the audience doesn't also recognize that. Wait a minute, they should be saying, why are you bringing up Hillary Clinton when we're talking about Mike Pence and his classified documents? Why are we talking about Obama all of a sudden? Wait, didn't you get really upset about the Biden situation, but now you're totally great with the Mike Pence situation. How those types of thoughts don't run through the heads of the millions of people who watch Fox News, I don't know. And the only answer I can come up with is that, and this is not just the Fox News audience, and it's not just the right wing. People on the left do this as well. I do think it's more severe on the right, but many people are guilty of it on the left as well, which is 
valuing feeling correct, feeling correct over being correct, right? And what I mean by that is I want to be told things that make me feel good about what I already believe rather than be told things that are factual, uh, whether or not they make me feel good about what I believe. And that's what we should value. And it's difficult for every single person, no matter how good at finding factual information and making sure that crafts your worldview that you are, it still doesn't feel good to be told things that contradict with what you believe. It doesn't feel good to be told that you're wrong. But if you value the truth, you are okay with that process um, and, and going through that process. Too many people are not okay with that process and instead will go to a network like Fox News to be told things, regardless of the facts of the situation, that confirm what they already believed, tell them that the bad people are bad and the good people are good, and you at the end of the day are absolutely correct. Let me know what you think, Luke P. Beasley on Twitter. Tucker Carlson responded to the Mike Pence having classified documents at his residence story, and we saw a little snippet of it in the last story that we covered during today's show talking about Fox News is generally um, their response to this story. But now let's look at more of this Tucker Carlson um, monologue discussing the Mike Pence story because it is truly wild and he floats quite the conspiracy theory. Take a look. Not only notified the National Archives about these new documents, he also called the FBI and then he called leaders of both parties in Congress, which is odd because what Mike Pence did was a felony. We've heard that again and again, keeping classified documents at home unsecured is a felony. But Pence didn't seem embarrassed about it at all. In fact, he almost bragged about it. So clearly, Mike Pence is not worried about being punished for keeping secret documents in his home. And that's strange in a country where all laws are supposed to apply equally to all people. But Mike Pence is not worried about FBI raids. And that's interesting. Maybe someday we'll learn why. Mm. In the meantime, though, the effect of the... Not only notify... Interesting. Maybe eventually our question will be answered. I don't know. Maybe. Um... And then take a look at this second moment, and then we'll discuss. He said that a few times. Then just days ago, Mike Pence sent his personal attorney to search his family's home in Carmel, Indiana, for classified documents. Now, if Mike Pence didn't think he had classified documents, why would he send his lawyer to go look for classified documents? We can't say for certain, but it's entirely possible, in fact, it's likely, that Mike Pence was asked to do this by federal prosecutors who are trying to build a case against his old boss, Donald Trump. Now, the point would be to show that not every federal official walks off with state secrets. Donald Trump was uniquely evil in that regard, as in so many others. See, Mike Pence didn't do it. So if that was the plan, and we suspect that it was, it backfired spectacularly because Mike Pence's lawyer promptly discovered classified documents. He immediately loaded these documents into his car and drove them back to Washington to hand them over to authorities. Mike Pence, meanwhile, he said that a few Okay, so you got a clear picture now between those two clips of what he's trying to depict for his audience. That the DOJ is working with Mike Pence to make Trump look bad. And in the process, accidentally, they actually come across documents and it backfires, as he says. And then also saying that Mike Pence knows he's not going to be held accountable and, ooh, what's the reason for that? And as I've said in past stories, when you start seeing the world through a conspiracy theorist lens, everything looks like a conspiracy theory, no matter the facts of the situation, because if you were to believe that story, you would need some evidence that that coordination was going on, that that story actually took place, or that the Department of Justice is going to take less seriously Mike Pence's case 
than others. And that evidence just isn't there at this point in time. It reminds me a lot of what we heard when the Biden document story broke. All of the right wing told, not all, but a lot of the right wing told us that we were going to see the DOJ cover up for Biden and the left generally was going to try to say it wasn't something that should be discussed, ignore it. They were going to defend him every which way. And that just didn't happen. Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel to look into the Biden documents um, where they were found and that investigation is going on and it is being treated appropriately. And so you've seen them kind of get a little shaky now with the talking points that they have on that particular thing um, because it didn't go the way they were expecting. The DOJ didn't have a double standard. So then they obsess, as Tucker Carlson noted in the first clip, with the raid aspect of it. Trump got raided, but I bet Pence isn't going to be raided and Biden hasn't been raided. And that is such a dishonest talking point as we've gone through so many times now because a raid has a purpose. And if the purpose is not there, there's no need for the raid. And so with Trump, he was obstructing. He was not turning over the documents as requested by the National Archives. So they had to get the FBI involved and we saw the raid that occurred. Why we would need that, why Biden should be raided or Mike Pence should be raided when they're complying, when they are turning over the documents. In the case of Biden, they're allowing the DOJ to go through the properties um, they've been searching his Delaware home. That's how more documents got uncovered. So there's no need for the raid. So saying there's a double standard because the raid happened to Trump is so dishonest because there's an actual explanation for why that is that is perfectly reasonable. And so Tucker Carlson's job is to interest people and distract people from the real facts of a situation if they don't kind of go in his direction politically by asking a bunch of conspiratorial questions, often fear-mongering, and then just generally telling them these stories, these bedtime conspiracy theory uh, stories, to have their mind run on that hamster wheel so they're not focusing on other things. Luke Beasley Official on Instagram. Interesting piece out from the Washington Post, breaking down how uh, China is having now a population decline and that is going to be another layer of the economic challenges they're going to be go, uh, going through over the next number of years. Take a look at this titled China's shrinking population is deeper, um, is a deeper problem than slow growth for its economy. Economists said China's shrinking population poses a major future challenge for the world's second largest economy, while President Xi Jinping's top economic advisor sought Tuesday to restore investor confidence after one of the most disappointing growth rates in decades. And then we will skip down um, to when it starts diving into these interesting facts. Um, China's recent measures, however, won't address a host of challenges, some of which were exacerbated by the pandemic. A rapidly aging population, slowing growth and productivity, high debt levels, and rising social inequality with, uh, will weigh on the country's economic ascent for decades to come, economists said. On Tuesday, the same day that China posted 3% growth, the second worst growth rate since 1976, it also said that for the first time since 1961, its population shrank and it dropped by 850,000 uh, people. The demographic milestone comes when despite its enormous size, China's economy is still that of a middle income developing country as measured by average worker incomes when compared with the US and other rich 
country peers. China's leaders have long held the ambition of leapfrogging the U.S. to become the world's biggest economy, a task made harder by the strengthening demographic headwind, uh, by this strengthening demographic uh, headwind, economists say. So this is super interesting. Um, and I think it highlights the fact that some of, some of the fear-mongering about China, I think, isn't necessarily warranted. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try to be competitive with China and lots of countries and make sure we're not completely dependent. Um, but also, for a long time, I've heard China is going to crush the United States and destroy us on the world stage. And as has been building, there are some real problems that they're dealing with that are likely going to prevent that. And I'm putting together kind of a more ex uh, extensive breakdown on all of the different variables that I've been looking into that are very fascinating um, and again, very multifaceted. But this is definitely one of them. The population now shrinking, shrinking, which is not good, especially with the way that the Chinese economy is structured. And then you're also just seeing a slow in productivity and growth and massive levels of debt and um, some real problems there. And so to understand how the United States should format its China policy, we have to understand what the economic reality of China is going to be over the next series of years um, to do that in the correct way. Steve Bannon interviewed Carrie Lake once again, and I have a clip from that for you that, as I said in the last time we discussed this same topic, this is really, really bad and very concerning to me. Um, and what I'm talking about is that it looks like, at least in the actions and rhetoric and discussions that are going on, that Carrie Lake is being pushed to and considering running for Senate in Arizona. And we looked at a clip previously, I promise we'll get to this one, but to give you the context, looked at a clip previously of her addressing that directly and saying kind of the normal, well, I'm focused on my lawsuit right now, my election lawsuit, but you know, we do need good people in Arizona and Washington to be fighting the corruption or whatever it was, which is a very kind of, I'm thinking about it type answer. And I really do not want to see her in that race because of how dangerous she is. But with all that being said, here's the most recent example where she is going after Kirsten Cinema, which is not something she did a whole lot. That wasn't a whole lot of her message. But now, if she's thinking about challenging Kirsten Cinema, that would be the approach, right? To start attacking her and get ready to jump in the race yourself within that context of already being very critical of the individual who holds the seat. Now, I'll say up front, y'all know, I have tons of issues with Kirsten Cinema. Her analysis here seems off because it connects to the globalist conspiracy and just generally it's notable that she is um, taking this approach, likely thinking about the Senate run very, very bad. That's right. And these globalists are all part of it. You know, you ever noticed the globalist uh, politicians are all for open borders? The globalists want the destabilization of the entire world and they're jonesing to destabilize Arizona and America. And I'm really questioning why cinema would even be there. I mean, I, I just got done traveling this state, traversing Arizona for 525 days, talking to the amazing people of this state. And not one time did any Arizonans say, we need to be sending our tax money over to Ukraine. We need to be doing what the globalists say. 
Quite the contrary. Arizonans are all about securing our border, stopping what's happening with the drugs pouring across, with the people being smuggled, with the children being trafficked. They don't want this. And so my question to cinema is, what the hell are you doing over there? Why? You're obviously not serving the people of Arizona by being over there. Sounds like you are bowing down to your uh, globalist handlers. This is outrageous. You know, we need to start putting... Okay. So let's walk through this. Number one, because you mentioned the border, I must say, as we talk about so often, many, many Republicans will talk about that issue, fear monger about it without actually putting forward real solutions and without recognizing it is their party that blocks so often real meaningful investment into, yes, border security, but also importantly, our legal immigration system, expanding and enhancing our legal immigration process so that we don't have the logistical issues and humanitarian issues that we're experiencing right now. So she's not actually serious about the border as we see with so many people because they don't actually care about the real solutions and they block. She hasn't been in Congress, so this doesn't directly apply, but the Republican Party generally blocks real investment, real solutions. Instead, they want to just fearmonger. Then the globalist conspiracy thing is so missing the mark. Number one, we understand a lot of times there's an underlying anti-Semitic message there with a lot of the people. I'm not saying every person using that term means it in that way, but we do have to recognize that. And also, if you really cared about understanding why Kirsten Cinema acts in the ways that she does, why I have issues with her, it's not because someone behind the scenes is, you know, uh, in the shadows controlling her like the globalists can control everyone. Instead, it's just follow the money. She gets huge campaign contributions from special interests, and thus she acts in their interests. This is the issue with our political system, one of the big issues, and Kirsten Cinema takes part in that. That's why she obstructed Biden's agenda. Now, Carrie Lake hates her for different reasons because she didn't want Biden's agenda to get through, and many of the amazing things that would have been great as far as programs that the originally proposed Build Back Better plan that Biden put forward um, laid out, Carrie Lake would be against. Kirsten Cinema obstructed those, but that's the real answer. It's much simpler than this big globalist conspiracy that they're all um, obsessed with. And then finally, just the fact that she's taking the time to go after Kirsten Cinema and making it clear that she has these differences and seeing how her audience likes different attacks, kind of A-B testing, does seem to be the preparation for a Senate run. Hopefully she doesn't because we're going to see a Democrat versus an independent with Kirsten Sinema. And if a Republican is in there too, which there will be, it's going to be a lot easier for the Republican to win because of that split independent Democrat reality we're going to have um, with Kirsten Sinema being an independent. Uh, independent. And... Um, that very much terrifies me. Let me know what you think. Luke P. Beasley on Twitter. Elizabeth Warren weighed in on the debt ceiling, Republican obstruction debacle, and had a really good take on it during an appearance on Morning Joe on MSNBC that I wanted to take a look at with you. Um, let's watch this and then we will discuss. 
in fact, Joe, it's exactly that. If the Republicans had not pushed just two things, the Republican tax cuts that went mostly to those at the very top and the biggest corporations, and hollowing out the IRS specifically so they could not hold wealthy tax cheats accountable, wouldn't be able to audit them. If those two things had not happened, then we wouldn't even hit the debt ceiling at any time during the first Biden administration. Think about that. This is a manufactured crisis. And the real issue at stake here is who's gonna pay to run this government? The Republicans are real clear on that not the rich folks. The first thing they have done after they, they took over the House is they wanted to pass a bill to make it easier for wealthy tax cheats to get away with it. And they're now going to put forward a proposal to put a 30% nationwide sales tax in place. And that's on everything from rent to groceries to diapers to car repairs. And do what? Cut taxes for those at the very top. Very well said. And we talked about a lot on this show, the fact that the principle that the Republican Party pretends to subscribe to, pretends to believe in whenever it comes time to attack Democrats, when there's a Democratic president, is we care about the debt and the deficit. We need to be more responsible with spending all these different things. But they don't actually consistently hold that principle. Over the last 40 years, it's been um, the case that Republican presidents oversee larger deficit increases than Democratic presidents. And so they're not consistent with that principle, but they'll use it to attack Democrats, of course. And when it comes time for them, when they're the ones in power, to give a bunch of money to the wealthiest in our society to cut taxes for those at the very top, then they're perfectly great with the deficit being jacked up to the sky, as we saw under Trump. And I love that Elizabeth Warren is highlighting that. What they're not wanting to pay back right now, in large part, is money spent um, under Trump. A lot of that is money spent giving money to the very top of our economic um, ladder. And so it is so unserious and so aggravating to watch the way that they use this political tool uh, to attack Democrats when they don't actually believe it authentically, um, consistently. Tucker Carlson brought Marjorie Taylor Greene onto his show to discuss Antifa, the greatest threat, as you'll hear here. Oh, hear, hear, nice. Um, to America. It is the humongous, well-coordinated militia that is coming for you, and you must be terrified. Watch out. Of course, I'll say, in case you've never watched me before, I don't actually believe any of those things. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this is the interview that took place and is quite bonkers. Take a look at this. Marjorie Taylor Greene represents Georgia in the Congress. She joins us tonight. Congresswoman, this happened in your state. I'm just amazed by how little we know. There's this militia that kind of floats around America, and when needed, they show up and start burning buildings and flipping over police cars, and no one knows who they are or who's paying for this. How can that be? 
Well, Tucker, you laid it out just perfectly. And I think, honestly, America is sick and tired of Antifa. Look at what they've done over years now. Just from 2020, they're responsible for nearly $2 billion in damage and many people dead. But the war is against the police. And the reason why is because Antifa is the ground troops of the Democrat Party. Not only are they the ground troops, they breed them, they raise them, and then they bail them out of jail when they get arrested. But they never get prosecuted. And that's because, well, we know the truth. It's the Democrats in control, and it's the establishment, and it's the unelected bureaucrats that make no apologies for their support of Antifa. Well, it's time to do something about Antifa, and that's why I'm going to introduce legislation to declare Antifa domestic terrorist. So let's just go ahead and break this down. Up front, I'll say, because of all the videos playing on screen, of course, any individual who calls himself anything, whether it's Antifa or anything else, should be prosecuted if they're committing crimes, 100%. The misnomer here is a few things. Number one, that Antifa is this organized group that has a leader or a series of leaders, the Democratic Party dispatched them to attack, and it's just not true. Antifa is just individuals who randomly call themselves that and aren't well-coordinated and don't have a leader, aren't formalized, all those things. So it's just a fear-mongering device. And again, I say, anyone who calls himself Antifa, who goes and destroys property should be held accountable. Of course, y'all know that's my stance. We do have to recognize their dishonesty in that clip though. And then she said, I've heard a lot of people say, Antifa's killing all these people. And that's scary. If you're some person living your life and you watch Fox News for some reason that I don't understand, and you say, <laughs> um, you hear them say, oh, Antifa is killing all these people and they're coming to a town near you, you're going to be really scared. As Business Insider had to put out during the uh, 2020 protests and all the misinformation that was going on about that with President Trump. President Donald Trump has accused far-left groups of inciting riots and violence, but in the last 25 years, no murders have been linked to anti-fascists, while 329 murders have been linked to the far right, according to new research. So it is so clear, so much research beyond that example I give you time and time again when it's looked into, it is clear that right-wing political violence is so much more prevalent. It's not to say when they occur, you can't condemn the instances of left-wing violence, absolutely. But it is to say that within the conversation that they're having, it's a little absurd they won't recognize that, especially because it's rhetoric like theirs that perpetuates this type of thinking, there's a real problem going on on their side. Instead, they want to make this um, image, to pick this image for their viewers of an organized group that Biden can dispatch wherever he'd like at any given point to attack conservatives, to attack cops. And that's just a dishonest and completely not factual, not based in reality depiction of the world. Let me know what you think. Luke P. Beasley on Twitter. Governor of California, Gavin Newsom, has been speaking out about the need for federal action on gun violence to properly regulate guns and also, as we talk about a lot, many other solutions. But the one that is obstructed so intensely is gun regulation, of course, gun control. And so he's been in the wake of devastating events in California, calling the federal government to action and doing so in a way that is much more clear in his rhetoric, stark in his rhetoric, in a way that I think 
is so much more appropriate compared to a lot of the individuals that we see who have the correct policy but don't strongly enough articulate the necessity and the reality um, that we're in right now. Take a look. Abject failure of our immigration policies exposed yesterday and today. I mean, complete, utter, abject failure of common sense on gun safety and immigration policy. So for me, I guess maybe, you know, after 22 days and 32 trillion gallons of water falling on the state and being in a crisis of droughts and floods, and now two mass shootings in three days, um, I guess I'm a little more prone to express myself about my frustrations with what I'm not seeing nationally and particularly in Congress right now. Okay. We need the federal government to do its job. This is on everybody. We've chosen this. This is our decision to live in these conditions. It doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. So we've chosen this. We've accepted this. We can sit there and say thoughts and prayers, or we can look in the mirror and say, this is the price, I guess, of whatever. Fill in the blank. Freedom? This is the price? I get freedom? Freedom from what? To have your kid only do six or seven drills to hide under the desk each and every year, as opposed to two or three? Freedom from what? Having complete vulnerability, being anywhere in a crowd, <laughs> dancing with a loved one? A New Year's Eve? Lunar New Year? Right? I mean, that is how it should be said because that is more accurately depicting the reality that we're in and highlighting the fact that it is a decision on the part of i guess you would say collectively our country but specifically people who obstruct primarily the republican party action on this issue and that decision to obstruct or the decision to not act properly is creating a situation where we are um, living in this reality day after day and dealing with an issue in a way that other countries that are comparable to us do not deal with it. We have a unique gun violence problem, a unique mass shooting problem compared to other developed countries. And so when understanding why that is, we have to look at gun control because that's one of the variables that is so different in the way we as a country manage that issue than other countries. And so then you see the data and you see how that's turning out for us and it is not good. And so I very much um, wish more people would explain, would um, articulate the issue in the way that Gavin Newsom is doing there. And hopefully we'll see some sort of change as hopeless as it seems sometimes on this issue. Donald Trump actually took a shot at his own party. He would not frame it that way. But this video you're about to see is pretty clearly in response to the Republican Party's efforts to um, possibly cut Medicare and Social Security. Now, it won't happen. Biden has said he will veto anything on that. And uh, the Democratic-led Senate would not go along with cuts to Medicare and Social Security. But it's been a private and sometimes publicly mentioned ambition of many members of the Republican Party. And that is so against the will of the American people. And Trump is actually taking, as rare as this is, the correct stance on this. And we're not doing this to celebrate Trump in this situation because he's only doing it because he thinks it's politically advantageous, but because it's bad for the Republican Party, 
him making this an issue and setting himself apart from them and damaging them um, in this way. So take a look at this video he released addressing this issue. Under no circumstances should Republicans vote to cut a single penny from Medicare or Social Security to help pay for Joe Biden's reckless spending spree, which is more reckless than anybody's ever done or had in the history of our country. Biden has blown out the federal budget, wasted trillions on left-wing lunacy and the ridiculous Green New Deal, which is a tremendous problem and embarrassment to us. And so the Green New Deal talking point, which is so common on the right, doesn't make any sense because the Green New Deal both hasn't been passed and isn't supported by Joe Biden in full. So very strange. Let's skip forward a little bit. We have right now. Well, we absolutely need to stop Biden's out-of-control spending. The pain should be borne by Washington bureaucrats, not by hardworking American families and American seniors. The seniors are being absolutely destroyed in the last two years. Cut the hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars going to corrupt foreign countries. Cut the mass releases of illegal aliens that are depleting our social safety net and destroying our country. Cut the left-wing gender programs from our military. Cut the big- I need someone to explain to me what these expensive, prominent, gender programs in our military are because I hear that talking point so often and genuinely don't know what they're talking about. Yes, our military is now spending their time doing gender studies. That's actually happening for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Billions being spent on climate extremism. Cut waste, fraud, and abuse everywhere that we can find it, and there's plenty of it. But do not cut the benefits our seniors worked for and paid for their entire lives. Save Social Security. Don't destroy it. The Democrats are looking to destroy Social Security. <laughs> We're not going to let them do it. Thank you very much. So at the end there, he's trying to blame the Democrats, saying they want to destroy Medicare and Social Security. But Trump, you started the video by saying Republicans by no means should support cutting Medicare and Social Security. Even the most conservative person who wants the Democrats to be terrible knows that the only individuals who have that interest, besides maybe someone like Joe Manchin, a very, very conservative Democrat, are Republican members um, of our government, 100%. And so that's just a dishonest way to end it, to not make it seem so much like an attack against his own party or in opposition to his own party. And the other thing that you need to notice when you hear him talk about these types of issues, and as you saw there, is what did he not mention? He was listing off ways that Medicare and Social Security could be funded by cutting gender studies in our military and all that. What did he not mention? Properly getting the taxes of those at the very top, because that is one of the ways we could keep these programs perfectly funded is one of the things Biden's doing, properly fund the IRS, to not, you don't even have to raise a tax rate for this process, um, and you just go get taxes you should be getting from those at the very top by uh, better funding the IRS. Again, like Biden is doing. And so Trump, while he pretends to be so anti-establishment, going against those in power, actually supports keeping them in power, thinking of any way possible to fund Medicare and Social Security other than getting taxes from those at the very top. 
that we should be getting. We've seen, uh, as we talk about so often, reports come out about the tax rate that billionaires will pay being in the single digits effective tax rate. Absolutely absurd. That's how we should protect these programs. Thank you so much for watching and listening to today's show. We will see you tomorrow.